0: James chapter number one, we'll start reading in verse number 13. If you found your place, say amen on this Wednesday night. Amen. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then, when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Our Father in heaven, we ask for your touch today. God, we pray that you would just bless, Lord, in the songs that we've sang tonight. Father, we pray that you would let those melodies ring in our hearts God, I pray that you'd give us, Lord, that encouragement we need, Lord, until the next Lord's Day on Sunday. But, Father, we pray tonight, Lord, as we've opened up and we've read from your word, we ask you that you would touch us, speak to our hearts, encourage us, challenge us, convict us. Father, if need be, Lord, I pray you'll chasten us. God, have your will in our hearts. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a phrase in verse number 15 that I want to bring out tonight and just, uh, I, I really preach f- through a few of these verses, but I want to uh, springboard on chapter, or excuse me, verse number 15. Uh, then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And here's the phrase, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. And so tonight I preach on this thought, sin, when it is finished, Up until this point in chapter number 1, we find uh, that James has written about the testings of faith. He's written in chapter, or in verse number 5, about seeking wisdom. And then he writes in verse number 6 through 8 about being firm in our minds. He says that famous passage there in verse number 8, "...a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways." And then in verses 9 through 11 or so, he talks about the brevity of life. And uh, he reminds us of that over in chapter number 4 when he says, what is your life? Uh, but uh, here we come to verse number 13, and uh, there is a uh, an ever-relevant issue at hand, and at least two, and one is temptation and the other is sin. And so we look, first of all, and we see uh, a little, I don't want to say a difference, but in, uh, in in our reading sometimes we just read over things. And we've given you this before, but in verse number 2 uh, we find the word temptations there. And then in verse number 13 we find uh, another testing or tempted or temptation And so in verse number 2, and then again in verse number 12, when we see this testing or this temptation, it is exactly that. It is the testing of faith or the testing of our faithfulness. But when we come to verse number 13, no man can say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted, neither tempteth he any man. If you've got a a, a Schofield Bible, he defines this, and and this is a, a very good definition. He says that it is the solicitation to do sin. And so I begin to look at this word solicitation, and it is the accosting someone to force to sin. And uh, so, and we may say a little bit more about this, but it is as if. Uh, someone is not paying attention to you, so you grab them by the lapels and you shake them and you get their attention and you tell them what you want to do. That's this accosting that we're looking at tonight. And, uh, it is, it is the solicitation or the, the, uh, the accosting to force one to sin. That is this temptation that we see here in verse number 13. And so it's on this issue of sin or of temptation that we want to preach tonight. And again, we're taking our text or our title from verse number 15. He says, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. And so I want to give you just, if I can, tonight four things and uh, we'll go to the house. But number one, sin, When it is finished, I want you to see this, that there is a desire for sin. In verse number 14, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. So let us remember that this tempted is an accosting to force someone to sin. That is the reason you are, you are placing it in someone's view for their consumption. You are fate putting it in someone's line of sight so they can take part of that thing, whatever it may be, and so some uh, someone or something is trying to turn our heads again uh, they 're grabbing us they 're shaking us they 're getting our attention, and they 're showing us remember this is the solicitation to do sin, in other words, it is not to to uh, necessarily to distract us, but this accosting is to get us to sin, and there is a desire in our uh, in our or... Breeding, if you will, in our nature to sin. We see throughout Scripture that it is man's nature to sin, and there is a desire here to sin. It says that every man, uh, well, let me, every man is tempted or drawn away or or uh, solicited to do evil when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. So let's look at this word lust tonight. It can be defined as desire. Now, we desire water. We desire something to drink. We desire food. And here in a little while we want to we want to go somewhere and eat if you've not already. Uh, a husband and a wife have a desire for one another. Warren Wiersbe said that it is when we want to satisfy these desires in ways outside of God's will that we get into trouble. And uh, so he says eating is normal, but gluttony is sin. Sleeping is normal, but laziness or slothfulness is sin. Uh, These fundamental desires of life are like a steam engine, Warren Wiersbe said. He said, if you turn off the steam, you have no power. You let the steam go to its own ways and you have destruction. He said, the secret is in constant control. If you ever watch someone that's running a steam engine, there uh, they're shoveling in coal and they're watching the temperature and they're releasing temperature. They're shoveling in coal. They're they're uh, constantly uh, in attendance of what's going on. And these desires of our flesh, they may be normal, but if left unchecked, uh, they become lust. They become something that is insatiable or something that cannot be satisfied unless it's satisfied outside. Of God's will. So we see the desire, uh, the desire for sin. Now let's look at the deception of sin. Again, here in verse number 14, uh, there are two words that we need to consider tonight. Again, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away, they're drawn and drawn away, maybe a phrase of his own lust and enticed. There are these two words we need to consider. This drawn away, it means to be lured from a hiding place. The idea here is that of baiting a trap. The intention of baiting a trap is always, and maybe there's some exceptions, but in my mind it's always to kill or to take captive. You think about these duck hunters. They, they go out and they, they're, they're not placing traps, but they're placing decoys and things of that sort. It's not because they want to pet those ducks, it's because they want to kill those ducks. Jody, you, the other, other Sunday, you had a pen full of hogs. You thought, well, how did you do that? You set a trap, and most likely you set some bait in that trap. The reason being, Samuel, you go hog hunting. The reason being is because you want to kill them. You want to get them out of the way. Now, some would say, no, I don't want to kill them. I want to take them and I want to move them over here. That's the humane thing to do. Whatever, it don't matter to me. Uh, but uh, the importance here uh, of this drawn away is the intention. Notice what he says, every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lusts. There's an importance of having the right desires. I need somebody to help me on this Wednesday night. We ain't here for, for fun of it. Then there's importance in having the right desires. If our desires are to make more money, that's the wrong desire. There's nothing wrong with money. But if our desires are to have a better this or a better that, there's nothing wrong with having those things. But if our desires are outside of the things of God, then if we're not careful, those become idols in our hearts and they become things that cannot be satisfied while trying to live for God, but instead can only be satisfied by stepping away from God's standards and God's morals and God's, uh, will so that that you can find those things that your heart desires on your own. Amen, preacher. Amen. Our flesh and Satan will use the, listen, the natural desires of God to trap us. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust. These are things that he deals with, things that, and things that you lust, and your desires may not be my desires. I have no desire to uh, to do any sort of drug or I have no desire for alcohol or anything of that sort, none whatsoever. Uh, but there are things that my flesh does desire, and uh, if I am not careful, that lust will become so strong that I am drawn away from God because of him. Our flesh and Satan will. Use those natural desires that God has designed in us to trap us. Drawn away, lured from a hiding place. Then we see the word enticed. It says that he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. This is the word. It means baited or to catch by bait. The idea here is baiting a hook. I almost went across the way to my neighbor's house and uh, before she moved in. This is probably right after we moved in. There was a large hook, and uh, it was uh, tied to a metal cable. The only thing I can assume is they were trying to bait an alligator uh, to bring it up. Whether they were successful, I don't know. Uh, but uh, it, it would be big enough for you to see. Uh, there, is, there is something on that hook uh, that is is really necessary... In, in catching that fish or whatever you, you are. And I realize some people shave that barb off. They cut that, they clip that barb off because they're just catching and releasing or whatever. Uh, but they're the, here, this word enticed, it means that you are baiting a hook. And so uh, let, let's keep that idea in mind. The intention, again, just like the intention of uh, luring something from its hiding place and drawing away. The idea there is baiting a trap. The intention is to kill or to take capture. Uh, here in this enticing, this baiting, the intention is always to snatch away from a natural dwelling. Uh, we don't we don't throw fishing lures up into the air to catch a bird flying by. No, we. I guess you could on accident, but that's how usually how it works for me, Miss Barbara. But normally, you're throwing it into the lake or to a river or uh, into the ocean. You have a you have a natural habitat that you are invading. You have an uh, you have an environment, if you will, that you are invading with bait. You are enticing what you're hoping to catch. Listen. With something that you know they desire. If you go to the bait store and you tell them, "Hey, I want to, I want to, uh, I want to uh, catch catfish," then they'll probably say, "Well, this this bait works best for catfish, or this bait works best for this or that or something else." It's because it's tried and it's true. remember it says that you are drawn away of your own lusts again satan can't uh Satan can't tempt me with alcohol because it's not been tried or true uh Satan can't tempt me with with drugs it, it it's of none effect for me, but Satan knows what my temptation is he knows what my lust is he knows what will entice me brother Eric and that is what he throws into my environment to snatch me away. Y'all with me tonight? The hunter is represented in this drawing away. The fisherman is represented in this enticing. In each bait is used and in each deception is used. I mentioned this early. The hunter, they use familiar sense. Growing up hunting, I don't know, Brother David, if we didn't do it right, but we didn't use none of that stuff. We didn't use estrus and all that. We didn't use none of that stuff. We just went out there and boom boom, you know, hope to get something. We didn't use that. They used dogs, sometimes they used stand, sometimes dad he'd sit in the truck and wait for them to Come by and he'd put it in drive and run them down. I, I mean, the, the, but the, 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 we now we use familiar scents. Now we use uh, we use decoys. Now we use calls, and all of this is to draw prey out of its habitat. Those deer are, they're minding their own business, Kurt. They're out in the woods, they're, they're doing their own thing, they're, they're, they're minding their own business, and in comes the hunter, and he is wanting to draw them away. And so he sets bait to lure them away. You get the idea here? Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust. The fisherman uses these quick, weighted nets. Maybe uh, they see a school of fish or they know where they're bedded down. And so they throw a, a, a net out and they catch a, a great amount of fish. Or maybe he uses a hook with uh, enti- with an enticing lure. Maybe it's shiny. Maybe it's quick moving. Maybe it's a, a decoy such as a frog or uh, a minnow or a worm, whatever it may be, maybe a fly, but they're still using things that would be uh, enticing to its prey. All of that, remember that barb? All of those things are covering the hook. Now, I realize that some, some people can probably just get a fishing pole. I wish Nick was here. I feel like Nick is this type of person, and it frustrates me to no end. Nick can get a string off a yo-yo and put a crooked stick on it and cast it out there and catch a trophy bass or something. I've been fishing with him, Miss Denisha. I know. Now, I can have the best and I could be out there and I could spend all day long and never catch a thing. But most people... They will use these flies, these worms, these crickets, bread, corn, whatever you want to do. And they will cover the hook. Every time it is covering the most dangerous part. It's not the fishing pole that's dangerous. Fish, what are they going to do? See a fish and beat it to death? Likely not. Are they gonna take the string and say, okay, I got him, let's make a, let's make a, a knot, we'll hang him. No, that's not, it's the, it's the hook. It's the hook, and it's covered. He is drawing him away. He is luring him. He is enticing him. He is trying to catch it. Listen to this. The bait not only attracts us, but it also hides the fact that yielding to the desire will eventually bring sorrow and punishment. It is the bait that is the exciting thing. They don't see the hook. Satan does not paint the, the, Satan does not allow you to see the judgment. He does not allow you to see the family torn apart. He does not allow you to see the needle in one's arm. He does not allow you to see someone in their own vomit. He does not allow you to see you in some strange woman's bed or some, y'all better hear me, some strange man's bed. But instead, he paints it up. He puts a bait on there that looks appealing. It's fun for the moment. There's passion involved. There's pleasure for a season. Y'all hear me tonight? There's pleasure in this enticement in this drawing away he uh, Wearsby said it is the bait that is the exciting thing the bait keeps us from seeing the consequences of sin temptation always carries with it some bait that appeals to our natural desire Now, I'm not not being funny. This is just something popped in my head. I I love food, and I love Mexican food, Spanish food, whatever. I've craved it ever since Braylon was in her mama's womb. I could eat it any time, any day. And we've not had it in a month. But tonight, but tonight we're going, and I guarantee you, you know those, those plates Kurt was cleaning the other day and those fajita pans that you saw down at the thing? Man, it put a craving on me. And they're gonna bring out those fajitas to somebody next to my table and I'm gonna smell that smell. And oh my, it's enticing. Do you understand? There's something on that bait when, when, whether Satan is, is hunting, And he is setting a bait, setting a trap to draw you away. It's going to be something that you desire. Or whether he's throwing uh, a bait out with a hidden hook to get you to bite it so he can snatch you away. It's going to be desirable. Satan is pictured in Scripture as a huntsman, as a fowler. As an enemy or adversary and a lion. In Job chapter number 1, verse number 7, it says that he, Job, uh, went to God and God said, What have you been doing? He said, I've been walking up and down in the earth. In 1 Peter chapter number 5 verse number 8, the scripture says, we all know it, it says that he as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. I want you to know tonight that Satan is still setting traps. Satan is still casting a light out in the midst of lost, but also in the midst of the church so that he can snatch us away. Number three, disobedience in sin. Disobedience in sin. We saw first the desire for sin, then the deception of sin. Now, let's look at verse 15, the disobedience in sin. i got to hurry. We see here, then in verse 15, when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin... And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Now, in the previous verse, we saw a hunter and we saw a fisherman. James is throwing out some images that they and that we would know. Now, he is changing the picture, turning the page, if you will, and he's showing us the birth of a child. And here, because of the desire... And because of the deception of sin, disobedience in sin, or if you will, the act of sin is now conceived. Notice what it says, when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. If I can say it like this, you've seen the trap, but you've not realized that it's a trap. You walk for it. You walk to it. You walk in it. And at that moment, I said at that moment, lust is conceived and that thing snaps behind you and you are caught in the clutches of sin. Disobedience in sin is conceived. It says and, um it bringeth, when it's conceived, it bringeth forth sin. So sin is conceived in this, in this disobedience, but now we find that a child, if you will, coming along with this same picture, sin, if you will, is born. It bringeth forth sin. The excitement of the enticement is now come to fruition. That thing that seemed so appealing, that thing that was so enticing, that you finally reached out and you grabbed the whole tub and you embraced with everything that is within you because you were so excited about that pleasure for just a moment and you forgot about everything else and you were weak in your flesh. Whatever we may want to say, all of a sudden, now sin has crept in. But guess what? It... Like every child begins to grow. Listen to what it says. When lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. So now sin is born. Sin is evident. But now when sin, sin when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Disobedience in sin... It leads us to this thought that growth is inevitable. It matters not who you are or what station of life you're in. If you embrace, if you are enticed by the lust of the flesh, you are drawn away of your own lust, it will result in sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Number four and last tonight... I want you to see this, death by sin. Disobedience gives birth to death, not life. I need to to read that again just so you get it. Disobedience gives birth to death, not life. It may take years for the sin to mature, But when it does, the result will be death. Notice the last part of the verse. Sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. There is no 50-50 chance here. Sin always equals death. It's absolute. Absolute. Romans chapter 5, verse number 12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Because of one man's sin, death entered this world and has remained. Romans chapter number 6, verse number 23, the first part, For the wages of sin... Is death. Notice these definite terms. In Romans five twelve, it says, All have sinned. God in his sovereignty can look forward in time and see that man will sin. He can look now and see that man is sinning. And he can look in the past and he could say that man has sinned. But collectively, he can describe it here in Romans chapter 5 verse number 12 and say that all men have sinned. There is no way around it. Then you look at that definite term in chapter 6 verse 23. For the wages of sin might be death. For the wages of sin for some is death. No. For the wages of sin is death. Whenever you are faced with temptation, get your eyes off of the bait and look ahead to see the consequences of sin. The judgment of God. I know I'm a novice at hunting, if you remember, I, I shared with the world on, on our Facebook live thing sometime during the COVID thing, me holding a, holding a fish by the wrong lip, didn't I, Brother David? Do you remember that? I'm just glad I got it out of the water. I'd have held it by its tail and been just plum happy. And I was so excited. I sent it to Brother David, and he—I don't remember exactly what he said, but something like, "You know, you're holding it by the wrong lip, right?" And I felt about that high. But I was so proud of myself. I said, "Whoa! I'm gonna get this thing mounted." It wasn't, but about that long. I caught one after that. Brother John laughed at me. He said, "Ha ha!" You know how he'd laugh. It was—he said it was a war mouth. That thing was about three and a half inches long. It sure was pretty, and it fought Abby. I thought I had a marlin or something on that thing. Pull that thing. No matter what the bait is, no matter what you're hunting, if you watch in nature, some animals are just just I guess dumb by nature and they'll just fall for anything. But a lot of them are pretty smart. And they'll sniff and they'll look and they'll sense. And they'll depend on others to do the same. They'll go by your fishing lure and they'll think, "Huh, that's kind of strange why there's a worm just sitting there. That just don't make no sense. But eventually, guess what happens? Curiosity gets them. Curiosity. That deer, I want to go I want to go big big game hunting one of these days. Like something that couldn't fit through the door there. I want to have plenty of room to run just in case. But I would love to, to do that. I probably won't shoot it because I'm scared of everything. But, but no matter what you're hunting, generally speaking, it's always going to give in to curiosity. And Satan knows that. And sometimes curiosity is shown in 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 nature it 's shown even in weakness and i 'm using curiosity now kind of broadly it 's shown in weakness it 's not as strong as some other things are it 's not strong in their faith, if you will they're not strong. they 're not they haven 't hid the Word of God in their hearts, so they don't have, they don 't have what they need. To go on, And so what happens is they're left behind. And Satan, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And he finds that one that maybe is curious about what he's dangling out in front of him. He, 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 he's walking about seeking whom he may devour. Maybe it's someone that's weaker than the rest. Maybe it's someone that's sick. Maybe it's someone that they've, he's all, something else has already attacked. It left it lame. Maybe they've already fallen in temptation. Maybe, maybe they were, they, were, they were almost inside the trap and the gate fell and maybe broke their leg, Jody. And they just limping around. Already feeling the effects of temptation. Already, oh goodness gracious. How many Christians today Are spiritually lame because we don't, we don't talk about temptation in church anymore. We don't talk about sin and repentance and things like that in church. It it seems as though now, well, you're saved, let's, let's preach on the high things. Don't worry about clean living. Don't worry about any of those things. It's that type of preaching that's going to keep us sharp, if you will. It's going to keep us alert. Be sober! Be vigilant! Why? Your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. We need some watchmen on the wall. We see, we see a wolf. We see, we see the enemy. We start blowing a trumpet. Hey! Everybody watch out! Because a wolf can come in unaware. But we need to be watching out for one another when we watch for wolves. Not not just for Ashland and Braylon and Lori and, and myself. Oh, I, I need to be careful. I want to. No 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 no. Not for Jody and Kaylee and Camden and Kurt. No, it's not it at all. We need to watch for others. I want us to stand tonight. I'll be honest with you tonight, as I was studying this, I was thinking about it, I've been, been praying, thinking about, God, what do you want for this week? So I began to read and I read through chapter number one, and I looked at some things and began to pray and began to write some things down. Finally, God gave liberty to open that book. And He started showing me that about that hunter and that fisherman. man it blessed my heart because I've been caught in that snare. Too many times. And I don't want anyone else to be caught in it. I don't want anyone else to see that that thing that is, that is unnatural in our habitat, but it's still enticing. And I don't want someone to fall for it. So I hope the Lord bless you tonight. I hope you got something from it. It blessed me this evening.